0: Have you ever wondered if your relationship struggles are normal? Or maybe you have wished you could just ask advice from a relationship expert. Or better yet, how about two experts? Well, I'm happy to tell you, you are in the right place. I am Dr. Morgan Cutlip.
1: And I am Dr. John VanEff. Morgan and I are both PhDs in psychology, relationship experts, authors, relationship course creators, and a father-daughter team who will bring our educational background, clinical experience, and research knowledge to real relationship concerns and challenges shared by our guests.
0: Welcome to the Love Thanks Podcast, where we hope to empower you to better engage both your heart and your head in relationships so you can follow your heart without losing your mind. Let's get started. Hello, Welcome to the Love Things Podcast. We are sitting today with Charity and Ted, a married couple of almost 20 years. I think their anniversary is coming up soon. And they have four children ages 9 to 16. They live in Houston. And I know that uh, Charity is self-employed and Ted works as as a charge nurse. And we are going to be talking with them today in an episode I am really excited about, which is the mental load and how a couple navigates uh, the mental load together. So thank you so much for being here. Thank
2: you for having us. We're excited. Yes, yes. Well, we Thank are so excited.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can you just tell us, when did you get introduced to the the term? Because the term opens doors of conversation, obviously. But what, about when did that happen and how did that happen?
2: I think it was actually through Morgan's Instagram th- that I heard that phrase, mental load. And I was like, that is what I've been trying to explain about oh. all of the things I have to remember. So I think it was through
0: her. I'm I'm happy about that one. Yeah,
3: and of course, I heard it
1: from from her saying, that,
0: like, I have now. Hey,
1: this is what it is. <laughs> That's right, Ted. You know, so much of what we know about life came from our marriage and our our marriage to our spouse. So, <laughs> thank thank you, thank You're you welcome. for that.
0: <laughs> well, I know just having a term for that is it's freeing. Because you kind of feel like you're going crazy, all these things weighing you down, getting overwhelmed by, and then to learn that it's a term that is pretty universal—that there are a lot of other people in the same boat as you—I think it helps so much just to be able to categorize that. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your marriage. I know you have a married book together that you wrote about marriage called "Staying I Do." So you guys have given a lot of thought to marriage. Tell us a little bit about yours.
2: So we we both are children of divorce, and we. I think both were sort of not interested in the idea of marriage, seeing how much pain it it caused our families and so forth. And, and then if we were going to do it, it was going to be like whole hog, no holding back. Don't even say the D word, you know, like very insulated, if you will, like just putting all of our eggs in that basket and, and devoting our energy towards making, you know, like our whole thing is we got married to love, not to argue. And so Mm -hmm. we don't make, arguing really a thing. We do have a lot of discussion. And so for us, it was, you know, I guess a step of faith, an act of faith to get married, considering we had both just seen a lot of fallout. And we both didn't know at first we wanted kids. And then we had the first one. And then it was like, these things are addictive. And we just kept on having them. (laughs) And then he was like, I'm done at 40. I was like, deal. And we did, you know, we've navigated a lot of things. We've navigated moving across the country. We moved from Texas to Nashville, lived there Mm -hmm. for 13 years, had our kids there, had a very painful miscarriage there, started Mm -hmm. several businesses there. He went uh, to nursing school. Then we felt led to move back to Texas to be a little bit near family and also start some new businesses. So, We've, we've done some hard things. We've been through some hard things and just have a heart to participate with anybody who wants to chime in on the conversation on how marriage can be facilitated and better and all those kinds of things.
3: Yeah. Like she said, we were both had multiple divorces in our parents' yeah. <laughs> trees. You know, both sides got divorced multiple times. So, so that kind of just, you know, like she said, soured the, the initial interest in marriage. But once... We got together, and then we started. You know, we did have a good example in one of her sets of grandparents that they really just loved each other. But she said she always said that the reason why they loved each other so much because they got married older and they didn't have any kids. They didn't together. have to raise kids. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, but we uh, but they were
2: married forty years. Yeah, so they were forty years,
3: and but they just they just poured into each other, both of them, all the time. And that's something that we we noticed, and we wanted to model that as well and also put up boundaries within our marriage that we were going to do some things, but we were not going to do other things that we mm-hmm. saw other couples and we saw our parents do that we felt like led towards separating yeah. you drift
2: know, or set or just that
3: deterioration. All this. And so as we, as we started meeting friends and couples and other married people, that's, that's actually how we started or we got the idea to write the book is everyone else just saying, Hey, you guys should write a book about your marriage. So it was kind of prodding from friends and
1: family.
2: You never feel qualified to write that book. Yeah. you have to kind of do it in faith.
1: <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good place to write it from. You know that kind of humility sure. and and I just think of like as you were talking, you mentioning your grandparent. It was a grandparent that, right? They didn't have kids, and then then there's these couples are like, hey, our marriage is falling apart. Let's have a baby. Well, you're, yeah. <laughs> I guess like yeah, I say, no. need to talk to your grandparents it's about just that one. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. Having a baby's not going to automatically fix your marriage. And then something that we've had kind of as a working concept is without definition, it's hard to have implementation. In other words, it's hard to mm-hmm. do anything about something that you can't clearly explain or define and I think, Morgan, you know, that's really where that term that you brought to the forefront for, you know, for Ted and Charity and for many others, that that term of a mental load, it really framed not only the idea that there is a heck of a lot that goes on in our heads and what goes on in wife's head may be way more and way different than what's going on in the husband's head about responsibilities and tasks and that invisible sense of, concerns. And it used to get framed in such a negative way. You know, a husband would come to his wife and be like, Hey, what are you worried about? Kind of like, Oh, you're a, you're a weak person because you're worried. And I think the mental load helped to make it a much more positive kind of way to discuss, Hey, I I'm carrying a heck of a lot more than you because I'm a strong person. And so it really put it in a nice framework. And so tell us a little more about how you ended up talking through the mental load? Because that's something that I think a lot of a lot of wives and women in particular are like, how do I talk to my partner about mm-hmm. this?
2: So one of the things when we first got married, I saw some things in my parents' marriage that I did not want to incorporate into ours. And one of the biggest things was I did not want to be stuck in the kitchen cooking while he's entertaining himself with football or whatever. And I was like, that's just not going to be my life. Just let you know mm-hmm. upfront. <laughs> and so from the very beginning, one of the first things we did, and this isn't so much mental load, but I felt like it, 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 I get, it leads into It's from the very beginning, we decided that he would be in charge of dishes and I would be in charge of laundry because those two things seems to have those daily or very frequent, you know, needs of attention. So we just said from the very beginning, okay, I don't want to have to be like Babe, can you unload the dishwasher or babe? Can you... I don't want to have to have 14 conversations a day about the daily stuff. I just want to be like, okay, this is your zone, this is my zone, we're playing zone defense, and this is how we're going to tackle this thing. Cool. So, but
3: sorry, and that that came about by us talking about what do you not like? And she's like, I can't stand touching dirty dishes. And I'm like, <laughs>
0: I hate Hey, that's a good way out of it, isn't I it? I hate
3: <laughs> I hate being responsible I can't for touch it you know, the color pattern or how things Folding. are folded or wrinkled or whatever. Marie so Kondo. Like,
2: so it was, it was
3: worked out of what, what really just brings you down and makes you
2: What's your not least enjoy favorite? your
3: day, you know, kind of thing. And then, so we just, that was a practice that we didn't realize at the time that we've done that throughout our marriages. Whenever we see that each other's getting frustrated with something, the other one will pick it up and carry it for a while until, you know, you get, You're able to take it or you're you're on to the next thing that you're carrying. Because now, of course, we have kids, so the dishes thankfully are
2: (laughs) we burst our
3: dishwashers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're talk I mean, something that's standing out to me as you guys are talking about your marriage and about this specific aspect of it is how thoughtful you've been about things. To to think about, you know, what you've seen and what you want to be different and then to actually have that discussion. I think you started out really ahead of a lot of couples who kind of don't even really attend to some of that stuff. And you, if you follow my Instagram, you've probably heard of this, but I talk about something that's called piling on precedence, which is that when a couple gets married, they, especially the the woman usually, does things for their partner out of love and care and like, oh, I'll make dinner. I'll do the dishes. I'll do the laundry. And without any discussion, the partner takes it out of their mind and off their plate and suddenly it's become her responsibility and they've never talked about it. And it's great to hear your story and how from day one, you're like, let's talk about this stuff because I don't want to take this on. I don't want you to think I've taken it on and what's something that, that I can take responsibility for. And I think the other piece is like the sense of ownership over these tasks. You really decided who's going to take ownership over certain things. And that's really, really important.
2: I think one of the things too, over the years as things evolved, being self-employed, so I'm home, most of the time Mm -hmm. I'd be able to do my work from, from home or a little bit of traveling, but very little. For a while, I did have that where I'm here. I can just do it because I'm here. I know all of the data because the kids bring home forms. I fill out all the forms. I know all the things. And it, and also I'm a high capacity individual. I'm very capable, which can be in a pathway to resentment pretty quickly because I have high capacity. I can do a lot of things. I can organize a lot of things, but I don't want to be the only one doing and knowing all the things. And so that has been an evolutionary conversation that we've had of, and part of it, I will take uh, responsibility for is. I think I'm the one that's going to do it right. Mm-hmm. So part of it has been my control over a certain aspect. And also just, you know, I feel like whenever he's home, I want him to be able to be home and not have to worry about stuff. So I'd want to get as much stuff done while he's at the hospital. So when he gets home, we can relax.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I found
2: out that like I get there and I'm like, if I have to do something while he's home, I'm like, why didn't you do anything while I was out so that when I got home, we wouldn't have to do anything. And he was like, Oh, I was resting. Cause that's what I thought we do. <laughs> so we've had to tweak the conversation and, and he's not a lazy individual. He just, he's able to relax faster than I am able to relax. Yeah. He can get to that nothing box in like three seconds flat. And mm-hmm. it takes me like tab, 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 close, 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 close to get there.
0: That means that's part of the mental load. But our, our the space in our minds is just occupied by so many things that it's it's harder to quiet that that running list of things that we've got to do and think about.
3: And the other thing is, I have found is you know she has several conversations with several people throughout the day, and she'll be like, "I told you about X, Y, or Z," and I'm like, "Oh, uh, no, you didn't tell me." She's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you were right there." And so, so one of the things that helped us with this is creating a family calendar. So now. Mm-hmm. I know the schedule as much as she knows the schedule instead of me having to ask her all the time, Hey, what's on the, you know, what's what on are we doing agenda? tomorrow?
2: I'm like, it's on the calendar.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's another thing that, you know, we implemented. And then also I put my work schedule on the fridge for the kids. So they know because mm-hmm. being a nurse, you know, I work three days a week, I'm off four days a week. Most of the time, sometimes I have to, you know, based on COVID return, you know, COVID numbers or whatever, but in general, you know, the calendar is on the fridge, so I've trained the kids now, you know, to go to the fridge whenever they say, do you work tomorrow? I'm like, it's right over there. So they're, and then again, that's taking that, you know, I think that's one of the things that we've learned as we've, as we have this phrase now, we know what it is. We've learned how to take more things off of the, off of
1: the mental plate that's spinning. You know, the, the division of responsibilities and what's going on in your mind are not always identical. Sometimes you know, you're know you worried or thinking about or planning all kinds of things that maybe you'd like somebody to help you with and things. So they're not always identical, but one should lead to the other. So like how you're dividing your responsibilities should free up my mental load to not be, you know, like charity. You shouldn't be thinking extensively about what Ted is supposed to be doing because now your mind is doing his job basically. So the division should help free up your mind and the mental load should actually get communicated between the two of you, like you're talking about so that there's an understanding of, Oh, you're expecting this of me or, or yeah, I, I I see where I can step in and really help you if I do this or that. So the communicating of it, can lead to the division of responsibilities and the division of responsibilities should lead to some clarity and hopefully some like greater sense of calmness in how we're carrying that mental load. Is that do you find that or can you give us any examples? I have of- a
2: very great story for that. So when we were first <laughs> married, we lived in a starter apartment where there was white linoleum tile in the bathroom, mm-hmm. which that's a mistake from the very
3: beginning.
2: <laughs> yes. And we, you know, we were, we're freshly married and I'm just trying to see what, what Ted will notice and, and how he steps up for what he notices. (laughs) Because again, I'm not going to create or enable a lazy person in my house. I'm just not going to do that. So I noticed as you, you know, you'd sit down to go to the bathroom and, and you'd see like the hair dust, like collection along the wall, like on the floor there. And I was like, I wonder if Ted, when he sits here, he sees that dust. Surely he sees that dust and I let it go and I let it go. And in my mind, I'm like, when is Ted going to clean the dust? Doesn't he see the dust? It is getting bigger. It's That's... getting darker. There is so <laughs> much dust. And like, this is going and i like, going and going because I just don't want to have to ask him. And literally one day I was like, are you going to ever clean that dust? And he was like, Do you, if you want me to clean the dust, just ask me to clean the dust. And I had spent so much time, and that's a silly example, but how many Mm -hmm. times do we do that, right? Of just going, don't you see this? Like, can't you read my mind? Can't you, you know, notice all the things that I notice? Aren't we wired the same? And no, we're not. And he just made it like so simple and deflated to just say, just ask me to do it if you want me to do it. And I was like, okay.
0: (laughs) Touche. I really just wanted
2: like, but there was no, none of that there. On that and one. and
1: you know I think about that, Charity. I, I think that that actually, what you just described, if we end the story right there, that almost becomes a a, a hot mm-hmm. button for a lot of wives. They're like, you know, do I really need to live in this marriage where you mm-hmm. only are going to help when I tell you what to do? You know, are you so blind and this and that? And it it I, you know Morgan, you could probably speak to this a little more than yeah. than me, but I think it. If that is where it ended for the two of you, that'd be one thing. But I think it led to you continually revising, okay, this is what you own and this is what I own. And this is what I'm not going to have to ask you every time to clean something. You're going you're gonna to take ownership of these things and um, a little more communication about what is going on in your own mind. That would be the mental load. And then how that translates to what we're owning in terms of responsibilities. That ongoing conversation should free up that type of thought process or how often you need to tell him what you want him to do.
0: Well, I mean, also, I think a lot of women, I mean, it's usually a woman who carry it. So I'm always like worried about offending some man who's like, my load is so heavy, but usually it's women, right? I think a lot of women sabotage themselves by ending the story there. Whether it's they sabotage it themselves and the relationship by developing intense amounts of resentment and frustration and then it trickles into all other aspects of the relationship and now they haven't had sex in a year. You know, like all of – it does have this sort of way of infecting all of these other areas or they sabotage themselves by grabbing the cleaner and the paper towels and whatever and scrubbing that linoleum and then they're just – they are the ones then taking it on again they're perpetuating the the amount of things that are on their load and What's so great is I, I feel like in that story you sort of – I mean it sounded like it was the beginning of your marriage but you can see kind of like the trajectory of how the two of you are going to handle things. In some ways you weren't going to stand for it, Charity. Like you were like I'm going to test him. We're going we're gonna to see what's going on here. We're going to deal with this now which I love that because it didn't then build until this massive thing that when kids entered the picture which I want to talk about with you guys but that then you had to deal with it then and that's even a bit more challenging because there's just more things to get to delegate. So you weren't going to stand for it. You watched him and then you confronted him. You were kind of at your limit, but and then you guys had this conversation. And it does sound like you've done such a good job of saying these are the logistics of running our home, these are the things in my mind, these are the responsibilities we have. How are we? gonna handle this together and maybe I need to ask you sometimes fine I'm happy to do that if it meets this end goal and instead of taking on this sort of me versus you it became charity and Ted versus the mental load and I think that has probably served you really well yes
2: I think one of the things I' oh, do okay. was well, so one of the things that I was gonna say that has been sort of our picture for our marriage is you know, if we're two and we're going, you know, together, you can sense if you pay attention, a slight shift, a slight deviation. Mm-hmm. And when you're at the very base of that, it doesn't seem like very far apart. But if you keep following those two directions, if we continue to go in our own directions, it will create that drift. It will create that distance. And that's like, so we address it at the point of deviation. We, we don't, I'm not a let the dogs lie kind of person anyway, but <laughs> I just don't see the sense in letting problems grow that they just become bigger, heavier, harder. And so let's, let's address the problem at the smallest level so that we can, you know, nip it. I mean, usually those conversations take 10 minutes at the most and you've nipped it and, and you've corrected and you've adjusted for each other.
3: And one of the things that we also, you know, foundations that we put in places that we're going to be honest with each other, even to thoughts, because, you know, that's how that can can start to separate she can start to think this guy's never going to see the dust. And then, you know, once she found out that, Oh, whenever she makes, or she asked me to clean something, I clean it really well. Like sometimes she's like, I can't tell you to do that because it's going to take you an hour. <laughs> because <laughs> if I'm,
2: I want it done well, he'll do it. If I want it done quick, I'll do it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so
3: it, it's that give and take too of recognizing, you know, I can be very detailed if you want me to be. And, and you know, so, But just the the balance again of we got to be honest whenever we're starting to feel like, hey, are you, I'm feeling like you might be trying to take advantage of me or trying to put more on me. You know, is is that really what you're trying to do? And then for the other one to say, you know, either, yeah, hey, I've got a ton right now. I need you to take some of this. Or, no, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was putting another thing on your plate. You know, Mm -hmm. let me. I could take that back or we can you know discuss or make another priority or whatever. So I, I really sense of-
1: something about you Ted that and and maybe it it also kind of is part of your personality that drove you to have an interest in in nursing of caring for others that you know when charity would say hey can't you clean this that You didn't clean it once and then it's done. You began to generalize it and you said, okay, so she wants me to kind of take some responsibility for how this stays clean. And this is some of the frustration that happens. So it's not that it's it's bad in a marriage relationship for a partner to say to their spouse, hey, I'd really like you to help me out here. It's that when that becomes the only way that my partner enters into helping me, And I've told them five times, I like it if they help me with this specific thing. And now the sixth time I walk by and do I have to tell them every time? I think that becomes, you know, and that's what you didn't do like that. I'm picking up on. A quality that you have that maybe we need to speak to all of us men <laughs> and say what 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 was Ted doing when he heard something that Charity would like him to do that he oh I didn't realize you wanted me to do that okay I get it that then had an ongoing impact on how he looked at that task the next time and the following times
3: yeah I think that you know it, it could be part of my personality but also it's just. Like you said, I mean, I think that, you know, whenever you value, you know, that's one of the things that I try to do often is just appreciate the value of my wife. You know, she is, you know, multi-talented. She has, you know, made herself into several, you know, different types of business owner in order to to maintain close connection with our kids and flexibility. So, you know, that value in that you know, appreciation, the more that you value something, then, you know, obviously, you know, you're going to, you're willing to sacrifice. And I think that's kind of the heart of, of me anyway, is, you know, I, I'll sacrifice whatever I need to, to, to keep her value, you know, to celebrate our kids. And so I don't know necessarily that that's all personality. I think most men, you know, obviously if you value football and you'll watch, you know, Eight hours of football a day, you know, a Sunday or whatever.
1: Then you know that's they wouldn't call that sacrifice. Yeah, I mean that's (laughs) (laughs) evidence what you value, though. It's yeah,
2: how you spend your time shows what you value.
1: It is. I think that's what I see about. I think of other words like retention. You re you you remember what she wanted you to do and what is meaningful, and you and by remembering you then reenact is another word that I think of, and then you take initiative and Morgan you mentioned ownership. So she said, Hey, would be help. You know, I'd really appreciate if you would help me with this. So it wasn't just like today on, you know, on Wednesday, today, I'm going to help her on this. It becomes, I'm going to take some ownership of this and on an ongoing basis, basis, I'll do it. And that's a quality that I'm picking up on you that I think really is reflective of your love and value and appreciate are you're, you're like translating that into a really powerful way. And it makes the mental load, Something that is much more acceptable between the two of you, rather than she is like, I don't know, your 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 boss of what you do at home.
2: Yeah, and that's definitely. Whenever we first got together, uh, I had friends ask me like, "Well, is he ever going to talk? Are you ever going to let him talk?" I was like, "He talks all the time. As soon as we get in the car and we're leaving, just in social situations, he's more of a listener." But they're like, "You're just going to run all over him." I was like, "I am not. Like, I'm not marrying somebody weaker than me. Like, that's just not." That's not appealing to me. I don't want to be the dominating factor. I want to be partners. And I think that that's one of the things as a strong woman with a strong mind and education capable, all those things. I didn't want a weaker man. I just wanted an equal. I wanted somebody who we could lean in together. And he has always championed, you know, any and and probably sometimes even more than me, any venture that I wanted to take business wise. And Mm -hmm. how can we do this? How can we make that happen? And vice versa for him. I mean, putting him through nursing school with three and then four children while having my own business was definitely, I call those the dark ages. It was very difficult. (laughs) But, you know, I think one thing that we even share about too is that if we don't evolve as individuals, the conversation doesn't evolve. And then there becomes boredom and just like monotony. And I think that that can also kill a relationship, just having nothing new to talk about. And so with the mental load, obviously there are seasons when things shift dramatically and we get into those places where we agree and consent to carry more than our share for a time. Like when he was in school that every load shifted my way for a very long time outside of academia, which even still, I helped him read a lot of his uh, stuff. So I'm a fast reader, but a lot of things shifted and then vice versa, you know, just with different situations we've had with our family recently, I've had to shift a lot of the emotional Side of the mental load to him in in areas where he has tremendous strength, and I don't have the energy or whatever at that moment. I can say, like even something as simple as, "Can you please take this to the return counter at Costco?" Because I just don't <laughs> want to have to face anybody about a return right now. And he was willing, and he sat in that line, and I got to do the fun stuff, which was take a lap through Costco, put fill my cart, and he we finished at the exact same time. And he did the stuff that I didn't want to do, and it was not a big deal, but that just That, for example, just took that load off of me. And I think that, you know, one of the hardest things as a person like myself, and maybe there's other women listening who feel this, I think that one of the hardest things with mental load is just saying, I need help Mm -hmm. because I don't want to need help. I want to be able to do it all by myself. And technically I probably could, but I don't want to do it all by myself. I don't want to carry this all. I want him to have, in, in our counselor's words, some of the data. I want him to know the data. I want him to know the love languages of the children as well as myself. I want him to know whose friends like are saying what and what's going on and, you know, all of that stuff that's like the daily, you know, overload of minutia. He needs to have that as well. So that when we when we advise our kids or when they come to talk to us, we have, we both have the full scope because they need both the father and the mother's, you know. I'm going to have one one point of view. He's going to have another point of view, and they need that that dual focus, you know, both perspectives to kind of guide them. That so. makes
1: me think so much. So, Ted, can you talk a little bit about how how do you how do you keep expanding your mental load without charity being the source of it? In other words, how do you do that on your own to to go to all these different areas that she's mentioning?
3: Well, like with. You know, obviously the kids, you know, they have their own voice. <clears throat> and so, you know, thankfully they, they've learned from, you know, from us. You know, we, we say that all the time. If you need something, ask for it. You know, And so they'll, you know, say, Hey dad, I want you to take me to, you know, Chick-fil-A or to Starbucks in the morning. Or a couple of months ago, the, the my middle school girls were just sick and tired of all the drama on the school bus. And they're like, dad, can you just get up whenever you don't have to work? and take us to school because uh, you already get up early anyway for nursing. So I was like, okay, so I agreed to do it. And as I was doing it for a couple months now, at, at one point, Charity's like, Hey, are you, you know, is this an obligation? Or are you going to resent this? And I'm like, no, I'm enjoying <laughs> it because it does give me that opportunity to get the data to, to find out, you know, what they're thinking, you know, also kind of start their day. You know, I can see how their day is starting. You know, is it, some of the conversations we have about friends, you know, how to pick friends or how to, how to know if it's going to be a good friend. You know, what, what does that look like? Some of those things. So the mental load for me is just number one, realizing that there's a lot in a family that has to be, you know, held up together. And so if I'm not doing anything, if I'm not thinking about anything, if I'm not, you know, helping with anything too expendable, that's, you know, (laughs) if you're doing nothing, you know, you're not really needed. So I think that, I think that for me, you know, has has been more of an awakening. You know, at first, like I told Charity, you know, I did have a season, you know, when I was in nursing school, my mom, who wasn't around when I was a kid, came back into my life. And I didn't know how to deal with that anger of what I thought happened and what actually happened and how they didn't line up. So I didn't really trust myself a lot, you know, to, to handle my anger or to handle, you know, discipline with the kids. And so I did put that on charity, you know, for that time until I got some more, you know, help for myself of, you know, why am I feeling this way? You know, why am I taking it out on the kids and all this that wasn't there prior. But then as like I said, walking through that is also helped, you know, helped me to see that, You know some things outside of your control sometimes can add to your mental load that you have to you know you may have to take a break to to get the answers for
1: i really like that i i do think a couple things just as i reflect on what you said your involvement led to hearing or seeing you might say so and you were you were kind of like stepping into a detective role where you were looking for clues So by driving the kids to school, and all of a sudden, you're seeing clues of things they need, things they want, things that's important to them, and the whole kind of world of another person, my child, my son, my daughter, you know, the world of home, the world of their school, their friends, those worlds began to become more constructed in your understanding, which you then had a good heart. So you weren't just involved that led to seeing clues. you had a desire to be like i I want to step in and help shape that, direct that, take some involvement there and so i I think there's and then you go back to there was a time where it took so much energy just to like manage myself and make sure that i I was functioning well that i I don't have the energy to get involved in other people's worlds I think. There are men that need to know that as they do what you just did, as they step up their involvement, as they open their ears and eyes and they see these clues and then they start actually engaging in them, that their energy multiplies, that that it expands their abilities, you know, that it's almost like working out. You don't develop the strength to do it until you actually engage in the workout. And in a lot of ways, once you started getting more and more involved, you got stronger and kind of your own self-regulation even kind of began to match that increased involvement or that strength. So I, I think your, your whole description there is kind of a, a micro example of what so many of us need to take to heart and to, and to do.
2: One of the things I like to say is nothing feels as good as action (laughs) and whatever it is for me, it's been a health journey of, you know, just reclaiming my health, reclaiming, you know, valuing my health and and eating better and uh, losing weight and keeping weight off and all those kinds of things. But there's such pain and there's so much, the mental, you know, mental load, knowing you should be doing something and not doing it, that just gets Mm -hmm. heavier and heavier every day. And I feel like that with, with regards to our family or our marriage, like if you know you should be doing something, the longer you delay doing it, it's like holding a glass of water. It just gets heavier and heavier and heavier because you're like, if you just done it right at the beginning when you felt that first, it it would be solved and and then you would just move to the next choice and the next choice. And the same thing like with Ted. I mean, when I was asking him about like, is he going to feel resentful? I'm like, to me, There's there's not much more valuable at this stage of the game in my life than sleep, like getting good sleep. (laughs) And so for him to sacrifice those hours of sleep and to invest them into his, especially the two daughters that, you know, just want peace on the way to school versus screaming and, you know, all kinds of drama that happens on the bus. I was just like, you know, that moved me. Yes, he's giving it to our kids. But wow, what a gift to me that speaks Mm -hmm. volumes to me. That, that causes me to want to figure out what else I can do for him because he's making that sacrifice. And instead of it being him demanding me do something because he's so tired, he's not saying anything about that. It's just, it's sort of like attracting my heart of service to him. Him, him serving our family is attracting my heart of service to him. And I feel like a lot of people miss that aspect of marriage is you can attract things from your spouse versus demand. And service I have found is to be one of the fastest ways to achieve that and not like doing it with the expected end of, but doing it because my heart wants to, my heart longs to help. My heart longs to just, how can I make it easier? How can I, you know, one of the things he promised in our vows was to to make my burdens lighter. And he does that. And it's, it's, it's through conversation, it's through action, it's through, you know, all those things. And I would say I, I do that as well, but I mean, yeah. I don't want to toot my own horn. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you guys really, I mean, I'm, I'm like taking notes as you're talking because I want to be able to kind of punch out all the stuff you're doing well. And there's so many things, but you really just embody this sense of like, mutual caretaking. Like I hear that come through in how you talk about each other and stepping up and this, you know, when I talk about the mental load, I talk about how it changes in seasons, right? Like inevitably there are going to be times that it's heavier than other times. And the way that you both step in and and say, I'm not mad about this. Like I'm making this agreement during this busy season of our life or I'm going to carry a little bit more. And this is just what we do for each other because it's it's us together. I love your visual about when you address um, issues, but it's us together coming at um, the logistics of life together. And this is part of it. Sometimes I'll carry more of the burden and sometimes you'll carry more of it. And it just, is just really sweet and like heartwarming to hear you talk about how you do that together. And something that you said, Ted, which reminds me of something I hear a lot from women you talked about, if you aren't, I'm not sure the word you used, helpful or, or contributing, then you're not really necessary. You become expendable. And I hear from a lot of women this idea that when my partner's gone, it's easier. And I think that a lot of people experience that feeling of their their partner has become a burden, that when they're home and they're around, they're having to care for them too. Or I've have had I've heard conversations or talked with women who talk about their partners as another child. And so – The way that you have embraced just this involvement, this heart of service for one another, I think it just sets a wonderful tone in your relationship. And I love that how you use the word data, because I think this is a point of frustration for a lot of women, which is they are the knowers of everything. You don't know where something is? Ask your mom. You know, you don't you don't uh, know what's for dinner? Talk to your mom about it, right? Like we're the knowers of everything. What's going on with school this week? Talk to your mom. You know, and so. I love how you framed it as like, I just need to take in more data because then you are the world of your family with Charity. She's not the manager of all the things. You are doing it together. And I think that's really powerful. And Charity, I love that you have not gotten in your own way. That's just something I see time and time again where, I mean, you said early on, I have a massive capacity. Like I'm a strong woman, I can do all the things. And I think um, a lot of times women then do all the things. And before you know it, they've crowded, and not that they wanted to, but they've crowded their partner out, and it's hard to ask. It's annoying to ask. They don't do it right, or they don't do it how I want, or on the timeline I want, or all of the reasons why they start to crowd them out, but then it just makes things harder for them. And I love how you've kind of like had to confront your own natural tendencies to make sure that Ted is really involved with you.
1: Yeah, we're so appreciative. And we're kind of running close on our time. Can you just take one minute? Because a cornerstone of managing the mental load is this balance between, we'll call it spontaneous conversations about it, and a structured conversation, like a planned meeting to sit down. Do you ever have those kind of business meetings of your marriage about the mental, like? is it, is everything spontaneous, like in the moment or are there any structured? So can you talk to us about that for a minute or two? Yeah. I would
3: say one of the things that we, we've done, you know, the, that old phrase of pillow talk, you know, whenever we go to bed, that's often whenever we're, are, we're catching up on the data we may have missed from each other, or we're trying to, you know, figure out upcoming plans, but also just talking about how are you, you know, like one of the, phrases that charity loves, you know, cause she's a words of affirmation person. So she'll say, whenever I say, I love you. And she'll say, tell me why, tell me why. <laughs> and, so, and so it, it does, you know, it does invoke in me like, okay, I, I can't, I know if I'm going to ask her that, that, you know, what's going to come back. Or if I'm going to say that, I know that's going to come back. So I have to be mentally
0: Prepare.
3: <laughs> not not prepared, but just it's
0: like so. I don't say it anymore. <laughs> it's like I just wait till like, I just, like eight
3: things. I just, and I try to vary it. That's my problem. Sometimes I'm like, I've already said that. I've already said this. You know, I can get into that trap of you know, I can always say she's beautiful and and kind of default mm-hmm. to that. But you know, I talk about her creativity, her intelligence, her you know, fashion, mm-hmm. all those other things. And so, but it does just keeps it keeps me searching to you know, you know, what is she thinking right now? How is she feeling? It's that conversation for me.
2: I think to say spontaneous would be putting it, I guess, not exactly right, but we we pretty much talk daily. We don't let there be, I mean, I cannot imagine like being a a spouse to someone who travels extensively or is deployed or is, you know, on 24. Like, I mean, I, I physically cannot imagine that, that life because I just I'm a talker and we are, we are communicators and, so that's a pretty much every day, like we make the kids disappear around 930. And now like, if I see you again, the phone's getting cut off. Like, I mean, so they're like, they're pretty good about staying away because of those things. But, you know, at least an hour, And I don't, I don't know if it's a lot for people or not a lot, but I mean, like at least an hour, sometimes more a day, especially on days that he's worked, we'll have those conversations and, and just check in. We'll talk about what this tomorrow hold, or if there's a big event coming that needs a few more days of, strategy. We'll talk about those things in advance. I don't like surprises. I don't don't like to be caught unprepared. And so I want to make sure that we are all prepared and that nobody can say, you didn't tell me, like, I want to be sure, you know, I've told you, I want to have documentation that I've told you, Uh, (laughs) please sign here, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) But I think, you know, having been like next month will be our 20th anniversary. I think now it is, it is very much just a natural part of our our marriage, our relationship is that we, you know, and I don't even like to go with a whole day with him at work without saying, Hey, how are you doing? What did you eat? You know, like <laughs> just random stuff like that.
0: <laughs> you and my mom both.
1: <laughs> well, the approach, you know, I, I think uh, rather than spontaneous, how approachable both of you are, you don't even mm-hmm. think about it. You just approach. I mean, you're not, you're not like, is this a good time to talk to, you know, you don't even have to do that, but there are, and, and your structure maybe evolved, Rather than you sit down and go like, okay, you know what day get the counter out, you know, right. But I will (laughs) just say, there are a lot of couples where it doesn't naturally evolve. And they have to, they do have to sit down, look at each other and say, let's figure out what what is a good timing for us to have a focused, concentrated, kind of like regular talk time to review some of these things. And how do we just enhance the approachability? Because all of that has made it way more like benign when you say, Hey, can you help me? Or you approach, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you approach to say, Hey, Ted, I'd really like you to do this or take this off my plate. You you don't feel like you are having to run everything for him, which is that what we call that sensitive kind of frustration for a lot of, a lot of uh, women with their husbands. So I just want to kind of acknowledge how so many things that you have done right have actually developed into more like it's multiplicative you do 3 things right and all of a sudden you're doing 5 things right there's a there is this kind of expansion and, and the opposite as well you know you can build a lot of resentments up if you start to do two resentments all of a sudden you got 4 and then that multiplies as well so the good can multiply just like the bad but you have you've been a real example for all of us on how you really reap so many benefits by getting into good habits of how you talk together how you have structured time how you have a an approachability and as morgan just kind of highlighted this real kind of mutual desire to to share the loads that you both have. Like, I want to be in your, I want to be in your world and, and, oh no, I want to be in your world. Well, I want to be in your world. Yeah. okay. Let's, let's, (laughs) let's make sure we both have clarity on our worlds so that we are there doing it together, walking together through life.
0: Yeah. You guys just offered so many just nuggets of wisdom and just set such a good example for couples who are trying to navigate this. You've done them and a marvelous job mm-hmm. in navigating the mental load. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story and taking this time out of your schedules to sit and to sit and chat with us. So thank you for being and here. And
1: everybody can learn a lot more about you by just going to yes. Am- Amazon and buying s-
0: your book, staying, yeah. staying
1: I do. So uh, we- I'll make
0: sure to link it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You too.
1: Appreciate it. Thank Please. you guys. Thank you for tuning in. You can learn more about the Love Things content by hanging out with Dr. Morgan on Instagram at mylovethings or visit our blog at MyLoveThinks.com.
0: And we're happy to offer an affordable subscription to the Love Things membership, where you will gain access to a library of videos and resources on a wide range of relationship topics. Also included are monthly live Q&As, where we answer relationship questions and discuss relevant relationship issues.
1: All this and more can be found on mylovethings.com. And remember, the best relationships are those where you follow your heart without losing your mind.